Facebook knows the harm that it can cause and has done little to stop it. The Facebook files, an ongoing leak released by a former Facebook employee, has shed light on the dealings of the largest social media company in the world. With somewhere over 2.8 billion users worldwide, the actions of this one company can affect around a third of the world's population. Facebook, and especially its CEO Mark Zuckerberg, has certainly faced criticism in the past, but these internal leaks paint a vivid picture of the inner workings of the company in a way that has seldom been done before. What are in these Facebook files? And what effect could they have on the company? From the School of Diplomacy at Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Eric Butts. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the domestic situation is Kasia Kostroba. Hey, Kasia. How are you, Eric? I'm good. How are you? And focusing on international reactions is Jacqueline Ballard. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for coming back on. Of course. So, okay, let's start with you, Jackie. These files, these so-called Facebook files or Facebook papers, whatever you want to call them, when do they first start leaking and, and, and are they still ongoing? Yes, so the first report was released on September 13th by the Wall Street Journal and the most recent was actually published on Monday, October 25th. So this story is very much hot, it's very much live, and it's still unfolding. Okay, and who is responsible for this leak? So this comes from Frances Hagen, who is a former Facebook product manager. She provided these documents that formed the basis of the Wall Street Journal's content. And in fact, she later testified in a Senate mm -hmm. hearing in the United States, and most recently in a hearing in the United Kingdom. Yes. So let's, let's stay with Frances for a second. Um, Tasha, can you tell us a little bit more about Frances? how she got all this information, and maybe some of the reasons she gave for, for deciding to release it. Okay, so as Jackie mentioned, she was a product manager at Facebook. She started working there in 2018. She was originally recruited to report on misinformation, and then she got promoted to be a product manager at Facebook in the Civic Integrity Department. While she was at Facebook, she decided it was important to become a whistleblower because she had described a pattern of Facebook mm -hmm. prioritizing profit over public safety. Mm -hmm. So she left her position at Facebook in May of 2021, and then she was revealed as the whistleblower on October 3rd on an episode of 60 Minutes. So she's been pretty active about this, pretty vocal about it. Uh, I mean, as Jackie mentioned, she went to, to, to Congress on 60 Minutes, to British Parliament, so she originally went to the Wall Street Journal for this, for this release. Uh, how has it expanded since then, Kasha? Yeah, so on Monday, she basically she had been consulting with her lawyers since she released uh, the files to the Wall Street Journal because she wasn't satisfied exactly to the extent that they were reporting on the Facebook files, and she felt as though they were getting her story out there, but they weren't covering it fully so mm -hmm. as of monday 
there have been about a coalition of about 17 additional news sources yeah. that have also been able to pick up on the story because she was able under the advisement of her lawyers to provide it to s- about 17 additional news yeah. companies. Yeah. No, I got, it, it's it's good to note early on that this story is very much still an active story. We we you know, I I started researching this story over the weekend as did you guys and already by Monday so much more was coming out from all of these different sources. There's a lot of information in these files, and there's still a lot more to parse through, and, uh, and the story is still evolving. So with that being said, let's jump right into the content of these files. Can you give us an overview, Jackie, of like some of the kinds of things that we're seeing in this document? M- maybe starting with the, the rules and regulations that don't apply to everyone. Yeah, of course. So Facebook has built a system known as CrossCheck, and essentially this is a system that allows them to flag material such as harassment that on a Mm. normal account would lead to sanctions, which is a good thing for them to be able to regulate content that would usually incite violence or maybe political fraud. Mm -hmm. However, the files expose that many Facebook elites, celebrity and politicians have actually been exempt from this normal enforcement and that it has specifically applied to nearly six million high-profile users from these usual rules. Six, I mean, six million when you have a platform with over 2.8 billion yeah, people, exactly. but, but still, that, that is not an insignificant mm-hmm. number. Especially when Facebook is literally cherry-picking these people just for their fame or political influence. Mm-hmm. And we can see how this has played out over multiple elections, over yeah. different celebrities. I mean, looking at the impact that it's had on the past U.S. election or over our own country's politics, we can see that the effect of this cross-check system is really starting to have a damaging effect on our society and on Facebook regulations as a whole. And is the reason they they gave for doing something like that um, that these people should have, like, more freedom of speech or something? Or they just don't want to touch, they don't want to interfere with that because there's more of a risk of it getting out, of it being publicized? It seemed to me like it was a bit of both. The stated reason was that these people should have more freedom of speech, but I think just having a general understanding of politics, there's a lot more power Mm -hmm. that goes into it. Yeah. So it seems like more of a political play to let these people have different sways. We know how much effect social media has on our culture and on public opinion. So the fact that these people were able to get away with less regulation says a lot about Mm -hmm. how they're using this platform to expound upon their own motives. Okay. And then, I mean, the files keep going. One of the more publicized one I saw in the news was Facebook's effects on on teenage girls. Kasha, could you go into this story for us? Yeah, so as many people know, Facebook also owns Instagram. And this has been prevalent on both Facebook and Instagram, but more so Instagram, Mm -hmm. in which basically a study referenced by the Wall Street Journal that was leaked in the files mentions that 32% of teenage girls have mentioned that or cited that social media such as Instagram has negatively affected their mental health. It has caused a lot of eating disorders, a Mm -hmm. lot of depression, a lot of anxiety in teenage girls particularly, but all teens have been affected in some percentage. And Facebook has constantly downplayed the negative effects that Instagram has had. And even in a testimony to Congress CEO Mark Zuckerberg said, the research that we've seen 
is using social media apps to connect with other people can have a positive effect on mental health, which directly opposes many studies that Facebook yeah. had basically known about. Mm -hmm. And he said this in a congressional hearing in March 2021. So he's been under fire for this for a majority of the year now. And he repeatedly is denying the harmful effects. And it, it's interesting because a lot of these this research done uh, about its effect on, on teenage users of Instagram was done by Facebook, was done by the company, and then kind of just downplayed internally because it didn't quite fit with what they wanted to do. And you're also right to bring up some of the past criticisms of Facebook because this certainly isn't the first time that Facebook has been criticized. Maybe it's the first time on this scale, but um, this is, is certainly not the first time. Now, um, what about more recently, Facebook's outreach on, on, on COVID and, and vaccines, Jackie? Have you heard any reporting on that? Yeah, so as we've seen over the past year and a half since COVID, Facebook has made a massive attempt to use its platform to push over 50 million people toward COVID vaccinations. Mark Zuckerberg announced that he was going to try and use these platforms to push for vaccinations. However, this is where it gets a bit sticky because we could see that several activists against vaccinations use the platform to sow doubt and the push toward vaccination actually failed. Um, mm -hmm. They used Facebook's own platforms and tools to create, quote unquote, a barrier to vaccination and sow misinformation. Um, and this is important because it shows that even when Facebook sets a goal, and even when the CEO of Facebook sets a goal, he cannot steer the platform where he wants, which has serious social implications, showing that, in a way, Facebook has a mind of its own and really can't be controlled, even when the executives of the company are trying to steer it towards certain goals. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, they, they don't have enough control over the website. I mean, one of the stories was that Facebook doesn't even know exactly how many users it has. Exactly. And that was something else that was concerning is that this has massive social implications over mm -hmm. what can happen to a social media platform that can't fully regulate itself. Yeah. And it's estimated that Facebook has around 3 million users, but even using artificial intelligence technology, Facebook hasn't been able to regulate mm -hmm. its own posts, its own users, and even how many accounts it has. Yeah. And that's 3 billion, not million. And oh, yes. Sorry. Yeah. And it's... They've been trying to use AI. That's, I mean, that, that's what they felt like was the only way to control all, all close to 3 billion, 2.8, whatever, billion users. Um, but there's been some criticism of that, of that path. Yeah, we've even seen criticism within Facebook itself. Um, several employees have come out and said that they doubt that artificial intelligence has the ability to help clean up the platform. And this was covered in one of the files. Just the fact that Artificial intelligence has consistently misidentified first-person shooting videos, racist rants, and even in one notable episode, the difference between a cockfight and a car crash. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, Facebook has held that the solution to regulating their platform lies in artificial intelligence just because the platform is too big to be regulated by yep. sheer manpower alone. However, now we're starting to see that even the solution might not be enough. Yeah, and it, it, this kind of failure to maintain control um, has some pretty ugly consequences. Tasha, can you talk to us a little bit more about the, the failure to stop hate speech and then also 
like the, the drug trafficking and illicit trades that came out uh, in some of the earlier files. Yeah, so in regards to hate speech, a new algorithm that was actually implemented in 2018 mm -hmm. proved to be boosting problematic and controversial content. Uh, within the site's news feed, the new algorithm was designed to push controversial content in order to create, quote-unquote, meaningful social conversation. Mm -hmm. This often led to the boosting of extremist bias and inaccurate news being pushed. And we saw this continue throughout last year's election. And mm -hmm. it just was very prevalent in a time where the country, the United States, has been so divided in politics. This update really thrived, I would have to say, in boosting hate speech, but a lot of users were quite negatively affected by this and yeah. noticed how how stark the changes were, just how quickly it went from, oh, you know, normal news to actually boosting yeah. things without much basis. Mm -hmm. So Facebook, one of the other Facebook files also revealed that Facebook knows that there, um, there are drug traffickers and other illicit trades taking place on Facebook. Mm. Many Mexican drug cartels, for example, have used the site in order to recruit and train new members. And in the Middle East particularly, a lot of the site's users have been using it to get young women into sex work. Yeah. And the prob the bigger problem with this is not only that these pages are allowed to thrive, but they have been flagged so many times and, and Facebook has yeah. not taken them down. I saw a very small percentage under 10% of these pages yeah. that were flagged have actually been taken down and Facebook has basically been covering it up because a lot of the users from countries such as Mexico or places like the Middle East, a lot of their users have been connected to these things. So they yeah. don't want to take them down because it'll uh, drastically decrease the amount of users in those regions. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that just kind of gets at some of the, perhaps the ugliest side of, of the lack of control that Facebook has over its platforms, over Instagram and Facebook, is that there are black markets, there are illegal, illicit trades, from everything from drug trading to, to sex trading done on these platforms. And it's not a simple story. It's not like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg's the devil and he's doing all this, because that's not true. As much as you can criticize, and you probably should criticize Mark Zuckerberg, um, he only has so much control over these platforms, no matter what he does, no matter how many people he hires, uh, no matter what AI he, he uses. And so there's a, a real struggle to maintain the whole system. As we mentioned before, this is not the first time that Facebook has been criticized. Um, but how are this criticisms, are these criticisms different? So far, Kasha, what has been the response? Uh, what has been the reaction in the I U.S. to Facebook to I this mean, new leak? The, I mean, there's pure disgust from what's from what we've found out before. A lot of the criticisms were like, as I mentioned before, oh, they're boosting all this negative news and such. But with the release of the Facebook files, I think people are re realizing just how terrible some of the people who work in social media are that they are holding back all this information that's, mm. you know, 
traumatizing and endangering youth or endangering women or just many users, a majority of users on these platforms. So the general public has been quite disgusted at these files. Yeah. And Jackie, how have they responded to these criticisms thus far? Because it's it's an overwhelming criticism, not just from the public, but also from, from Congress, as we'll talk about in a sec. What response have they, they, they come up with? Mm, well, as to be expected, <laughs> Facebook has tried their hardest to cover this up, to make excuses, and to brush it under the rug. However, since there has been such harsh criticism, there's been no way for them to completely ignore the problem. So Nick Clegg, who is the Facebook Vice President of Global Affairs, recently released a statement saying, mm-hmm. quote, At the heart of this series is an allegation that is just plain false, that Facebook conducts research and then systematically and willfully ignores it if the findings are inconvenient for the company. So essentially what they're saying is that Facebook is the good guy here, and yes, they have made mistakes, and yes, they acknowledge um, the faults through these files, however, they still propose that Facebook is a force for good in the world and that the social media platform mm-hmm. has done a lot more help than harm in general. Yeah, and that's that's a hard case to sell, not just to the public, although, there, I mean, there, there are, of course, a lot of benefits mm-hmm. to social media, but they also have to sell it to their own employees. I mean, they have 40,000 employees, and many of them, I mean, one of them just leaked this, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure there are plenty of other people who are dissatisfied or nervous about what's going on at Facebook, and they have to, to keep their employees happy so they can only go so far in responding to this while, while trying to keep everyone happy. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they know that the public is very angry with them right now, and there has to be some sort of reparation and response to this. Mm-hmm. So simply ignoring the problem isn't exactly an option right now. So I think that Facebook's challenge right now is really walking that type yep. of rope between being apologetic and promising to make reparations yep and not sounding too sorry where they shift the blame more yeah, onto themselves. Where they take all the blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- it's a very measured response thus far from Facebook. All right, let's turn now to what happened in, in front of Congress with the lawmakers, because uh, as important as the, the, the public opinion is, it's the lawmakers who could possibly make the change, uh, if any change is going to be made. So I understand Francis uh, testified in front of Congress, Kasha? Yes, she did testify in front of Congress in regards to the files, which made it more clear to officials that big tech needs more regulation. Over the summer, bills were passed attempting to regulate Apple, Amazon, in fact, Facebook and Google. So they are attempting to regulate a lot of big tech companies. But as you can see, there's still corruption going on within them. Mm -hmm. She's A quote from her in front of Congress, she said, During my time at Facebook, I came to realize a devastating truth. Almost no one outside Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the U.S. government, and from governments around the world. So Mm -hmm. that's basically her broad reasoning that, you know, it's not only the public doesn't know this, the governments don't know this it's just people within facebook and that alone yeah and you know this is an issue that as divided as the country is democrats and republicans both want to come up with regulations 
for this. However, it is quite hard to regulate social media sites. Yes. But this is an issue that has been uniting Democrat and Republic law, Republican lawmakers. Yeah. So the, there's bipartisan support for the idea yeah. of legislation, but there hasn't been a comprehensive plan put forward yet. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, you're right in saying that. Like I mentioned, it is quite hard to regulate social media because the ethics of freedom and of speech and things like that come into play. Um, the Probably the way that a change will be made is if it has to go to the courts and mm -hmm. into the judicial system because yeah. just simply passing laws, even if that's a good attempt, there's a lot of, you know, they could find um, loopholes and such. So sure. I think that from what I've researched, the best way to actually find regulation is go to the judicial system. However, they're going to have to, we're going to have to continue to examine this to know exactly how we want to, how exactly we want to implement that. Yeah. And the question of regulation is the one I want to stick with for a bit. What have some past attempts at legislation been? And what do you think that this news story could bring? Do you think that these allegations uh, or these Facebook files will bounce off like some past ones, or will they leave it in? Will there be uh, a difference from this? Could there be a difference? I think that at the end of the day, it will come down to the question of the legality of it. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen that Facebook has run into several sticky situations before, and has had several accusations and attempts at regulations. However, they've always been able to slide out of this because there haven't been any legal implications. So if this question does get brought up to the courts, whether this is a circuit court or perhaps even the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. um, especially considering the attention that this situation has been getting lately, maybe we will see some real attempts at regulation. However, the fact remains that regulation, especially on free speech and social media, is a very difficult topic because, as Kasha explained, this is a constitutional right. Yes. Um, and regulation in this area takes a very long time to get through. So although we might see it beginning to start now, it will likely take months or even years for any sort of real regulation to come into play, even though it has been talked about for yeah. a while. And more specifically, um, there have been different proposals for regulations on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, some have suggested taxing data mining, and most notably, Tristan Harris, who some may recognize from his work on The Social Dilemma, which was a recent Netflix documentary on mm -hmm. social media. He was a design ethicist at Google and a whistleblower, and he suggested a new accountability system that would force social media giants to be more transparent, calling it a quote-unquote design renaissance. So, yeah. I mean, when, especially when you're talking about a network that the, the owners of the network aren't even able to fully control, the question of regulation is going to be tricky. It's not going to be as straightforward as, oh, we put a cap on this, or oh, we mm -hmm. passed this one bill. Um, this is something entirely different. And if it's exactly. going to be regulated, it's going to take something creative. Yeah, because this is uncharted territory that we're walking into. Not only is social media such a new phenomenon, um, purely happening in the 21st century, but we haven't seen such explosive levels of growth except within the past few years. So. Mm -hmm the area of regulation on this 
hasn't been explored legally and it hasn't even been explored ethically. Yeah, not yet. I mean, it has been uh, explored a little bit in other countries too. I know there's been more exploration with, with reg- I know that in Europe they generally has a, a slightly tighter leash on big tech companies, more so like Google than, than Facebook, but still. Um, how has Facebook affected some other countries outside the U.S.? I know that recently uh, Frances also, I think it was Tuesday or Monday, she testified in front of the British Parliament as well, which just goes to show this is not just a U.S. story. Yeah, so to start that off, one fact that I found interesting is that under 10% of Facebook users are from the U.S. or Canada, meaning that over 90% of these users are in other countries around the world. So obviously, Facebook has a massive impact internationally, Mm -hmm. and we've seen that play out across multiple different countries. I mean, we could see India in December 2019. It was having religious protests that were largely increased due to Facebook. We can see Mexican drug cartels who are using Facebook to hire, pay, and train their hitmen. Mm -hmm. We could see, as Kasha mentioned before, how in a lot of Middle Eastern countries, Facebook is being used to lure young women into sex trafficking. And we've seen a lot of this within elections as well. In fact, in 2020, another whistleblower from Facebook, Sophie Zhang, revealed that due to her position in Facebook, she, quote, has made personal decisions that affected national presidents without oversight and taken action to a force against so many prominent politicians globally that I've lost count. So this has massive implications for the effect that Facebook has on the international system, and we aren't seeing much regulation with this. Um, The United States and 23 other countries have laws that regulate Facebook use, specifically exploitative business practices, criminal activity, and extremism. And we can even see that Facebook is banned in China as an attempt to censor information. Mm -hmm. However, at the end of the day, the question remains, how much is this really doing? Yeah. It's such an interesting subject to study because it's so it's so integral to our life now. Mm-hmm. So many people use Facebook products. If you don't use Facebook, you use Instagram, or at least in our generation. And, uh, and other social media websites as well. It's become the way to communicate, not just with people you've lost contact with. You're not just with people to stay in contact with or to connect with new people, but people use this to communicate with their families. People use this mm-hmm. to communicate with their friends. It is such an integral part of our way of life now, and it's it's certainly going to take a lot of careful management to make any changes. I would love to keep going. This is a huge subject, and there's a lot to talk about, but that is all we have time for today. This has been fantastic. Jackie, Kasha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time, Eric. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having us, Eric. Thank you. And joining me now to round out some other headlines this week is our news briefer, Sydney Dyer. Hey, Sydney. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. So, what are you keeping an eye on this week? So, this week, I'm keeping an eye on Saudi Arabia's pledge to lower their emissions, the rising coronavirus cases in Russia, and the Ethiopian airstrikes in Tigray. Okay, so let's start with Saudi Arabia. Definitely. Saudi Arabia announced its commitment to reaching net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2060. However, there is no sign the country will quit investing in oil and gas. Currently, Saudi Arabia holds a large amount of influence over the energy market. Mm -hmm. This commitment could influence other countries in OPEC to make similar pledges. Yeah, so progress, but still a lot of work to be done in the Middle East there. 
So what's going on in Russia then? Yeah, so last year, Russia released a coronavirus vaccine called Sputnik V that was distributed through a free immunization program. However, only a third of the country's population has been fully vaccinated. Deaths and new infections in Russia have reached a pandemic high, and people are being urged to get the vaccine by President Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. COVID's not something that's going away anytime soon, it seems. And lastly, what's happening in Ethiopia? Ethiopia commenced airstrikes last week, forcing a UN humanitarian aid plane to abandon its landing in the capital of the Tigray region. The Tigray region is in need of humanitarian aid because the Ethiopian government has been imposing a blockade since June of this year. The blockade is causing millions to go without food. This appears to be a sharp escalation in the region on attacks aimed towards humanitarian aid workers. Ethiopia's government accused humanitarian aid workers of supporting the Tigray forces. Mm-hmm. And conflict continues in Tigray. Okay, Sydney, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And that is all we have time for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer Jared Dang, associate producers Jasmine DeLeon and Joaquin Matsumis, and technical producer Chimni Chukukere, and associate technical producer Andrew Akulia. And of course, your host, Eric Butts. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.